so here we are with jujitsu. How are we doing, my friend? How's lockdown treating you? I'm fantastic, man. Lockdown's uh, it's about over, I and mean, we were able to kind of get the gym going a little bit. And um, you know, I'll be honest, lockdown it didn't affect me as much as a lot of people because I was still training. Like I was still coming into the gym and lifting weights and doing cardio and stuff like that because I can come into my own gym. And uh, so I, you know, and I kept my diet in check. So really, it was almost just like taking like a break, you know. But it really didn't affect me too too much because I mean, the, the worst part honestly about lockdown was not seeing my friends, not seeing my people, and then you're surrounded by this like hateful thing on social media. And I'm so used to being insulated from that, where no matter how crazy the world is. I have a community of people that's, di that's, that's, you know, different people from different walks of life that we're all together and we're hanging out and everything's cool. And even if we have differences, we're friends. So it's like, cool. I like this place without that. That was probably the most unsettling part for me during the, the lockdown was the, uh, the lack of sort of the social dynamic that I'm used to. Well, that's, um, something I want to get into as well, then like that sort of expansion from, okay, this is my like natural group. This is my friends. <coughs> and now I'm expanding mm -hmm. that sort of arm to help out other guys in the same community. And obviously, yeah. as you've grown, how have you found maintaining that kind of, I don't know, that core integrity of this is what this channel is, this is who I am, this is who my people are, but then also getting wrapped up in the world of social media and, you know, building as such, if you see what I mean. Okay, so do you mean like basically making posts that aren't necessarily about jiu-jitsu? No, I mean like or... the sort of growth of your channel and the temptation to then divert a little bit to try and, I don't know, stay on that path as such as keeping to yourself, if you see what I mean. Oh, okay. Um, I, I hope I, I'm understanding the question. Basically, I mean, for me, the channel is an extension of what I do in the gym, right? Like when when it boils down to it, I love being in the gym with my my friends and with my students and with the people I I I've grown to care about them deeply, and I love seeing them do well. And um, you know, the channel is simply an extension of that. Um, and so I get the channel and stuff like that. But again, I I would not if we're talking about just the YouTube channel stuff in general, I would have not wanted to do the YouTube channel without the teaching because I could see how having a YouTube channel, if you've gotten some people could get your head pretty darn big and kind of get you into an ungrounded place. Um, whereas being with my students has always kind of kept me grounded because they're my friends and they, they talk shit to me and they have fun with me and everything else. And, um, you know, like it's funny, like we're, I've had people come into the gym and they'll, uh, you know, they'll see me as jujitsu, they'll see me as chewy, right? And then I'll have one of my brown or black belts that's been with me for like 10 years and he'll be like talking trash to me, messing with me, you know, because we're friends, you know, that's what we do, right? In, in big groups of men, we usually always talk, talk crap to each other and he'll kind of look at him like, you know, is that okay? You know, and it's, again, I, I enjoy that. So um, as far as the integrity of everything that I'm doing, my, my core values have never really changed. The gym simply be or the youtube channel became an extension of the gym really well, it's so important i hope keep... that answers your question no, by the way no definitely because the way you answered okay. that was so like i don't know it was really genuine that kind of so my orders of priority come my training my gym my friends and then the channel comes as an extension of that this is a projection of what i'm already doing i'm not making the thing for that as such so that's your pathway of making these things and again you hear sort of yeah. something similar when it comes to guys who come back home to their families when they start building a bit of fame that they start ripping the shit out of each other, saying, oh, no, you're still uh, my little brother. You're still yeah. this, that, and the other. And that kind keeps of... You, keeps you around. Yeah. Reminds you who you are. It's so good. And um, regards of, like, I don't know, like, current training climate at the minute, uh, being the sort of, I don't know, what's, how do you explain it? The sort of person people go to to ask questions. Like, how do you find dealing with it now? Is it more of the same of uh, solo drills and solo training and stuff? Or is it like, I don't know, are you getting quite a variety of questions at the minute? 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of the questions. So honestly, my YouTube channel, um, it really like the the viewer count and or the views and everything. It just like pfft, tanked um, for these last couple months because, you know, jujitsu is not really fun if you can't do it. You know, um, so I've continued to do like the talking videos where I share ideas and philosophies and strategies with people um, more, and I really haven't done a whole lot with uh, the actual like technique part of it because it just you can't use them. And, you know, jiu-jitsu is one of those things where a lot of times you go searching for the information in the nick of time, not ahead of time, right? So, like, you you don't know that you have a problem until you face it, right? So, for instance, you may not go looking for how to pass Daily Heva guard if you've never had trouble getting swept from Daily Heva. You probably aren't going to look at it at that time. But then you're like, okay, I got this problem. And then you go searching for it on YouTube or Google. And you find your problem. So people aren't really searching for that stuff. And um, even my students, uh, I have a couple guys that are like super jujitsu nerds. You know, they study it like 100%. And uh, during the lockdown and the quarantine, they really just lost the drive to want to study. And then now that we're kind of getting back to closer and closer to being able to open up and do stuff, it's like, okay, you know, now I'm studying. You know what I mean? And like a couple of us have gotten together at someone's house a few times. And uh, with that, people, you know, these guys are starting to kind of get their jujitsu juices going again. And now they're kind of thinking in that mindset of wanting to get in there and, and do it. Now, that is an interesting concept as well, because I would have thought this sort of time would really inspire that kind of solo drilling kind of era. But again, and I could speak from my example of, you know, it's not that fun. It's not that fun. It's boring. Yeah. He wants to do I mean, deliver out a chair. It's not the same as Yeah, it. man. I, I mean, you know, I see people doing solo drills and stuff, and they're like, you could do this from home. And I'm like, you know, maybe someone does. You know, and, and honestly, you can use like... Yeah, someone might, right? I mean, you can do like solo drills for like almost like working out or movement or something like that. And that's completely cool because I'll even do like uh, there's some guys like Ryan Hurst. Uh, there's a guy named Cameron Shane. And I love they do these different movement drills and stuff. And I'll practice that stuff out in my backyard because it's not just movement for jiu-jitsu. It's just better movement for your body in general. And if you increase your movement capacity just with whatever you're doing, jiu-jitsu is movement. So if you move better, your jiu-jitsu is going to be better uh, by and large, right? And so they just they do all these different movement drills and stuff and i've been doing those over the, uh, the lockdown but as far as like specific jujitsu solo drills i'm like i'm not worried about that like because i'm not doing jujitsu and so i'm going to focus on like my ability to be strong my ability to be healthy and if my body's in good working order jujitsu comes it's no big deal um but i've seen these videos of like people doing daily heave on chairs and like you said or like you know inverting on like a freaking table and stuff i'm like you know I, I, it's one of these things where it's almost like uh it, it's like <laughs> it's like almost like like masturbation right it's like it looks cool right like but what are you really doing like so you, you just crawled around on a damn table a dinner table like that you're not gonna roll with a dinner table you know no, so it's just it, it, it looks cool right it's fun to look at so and it, it, eyes, it, it? <laughs> yeah and people click on it and they, they give you a little heart on instagram and they think that's so cool and they save it and they never do it you know um you know and that's why i made my videos that i still think that grappling dummies are kind of a waste now some people have been using their grappling dummies a bunch and by all means if you can use it that's fine but for me when you take out the social element of jiu-jitsu it's like it's like just doing it on some inanimate object i'm like eh, i'd rather just go hit a bag or something than like just sit there and like try to wrestle around with like a a, a dummy I mean, this is <laughs> taking me back a bit, but yeah, um, it is an interesting concept that it's the kind of movement and stuff. But if we start doing all solo drills, it then becomes like catas becomes like forms becomes a bit too like the wishy washy bullshit we kind of throw out when it comes to doing jiu jitsu. This is like the fiddle down. Okay, this is what actually works. This is what we're gonna practice. 
And again, regards of yeah. what you're saying about jujitsu and things you drill, when it comes to pre-lockdown, the good times, you know, remember the mm-hmm. good old days. Um, All the good old days. <laughs> when it comes to strength and conditioning, especially for jujitsu, do you do a lot of consistent exercises? So regards of like, do you try and do the same routine to the same, I don't know, plan almost, or do you do a variety of things? Because again, with the different methodologies and method, different movements as well, you wouldn't roll the same every round, but do you do the same strength and conditioning every session? Um, no, so my, my plans will change depending on what I feel or depending on what I want to do and accomplish. Um, and I mix in <clears throat> a lot of different exercises, both the, the big exercise that I'm focusing on as well as the auxiliary ones. Um, and it really depends on what I'm trying to accomplish. There are some common ones that I do consistently, which is it's mostly based on movement. So I'm always going to have like a, a squat movement. I'm always going to have a bend or hip hinge movement. Um, I'm always going to have some sort of press, you know, and then I do these different auxiliaries and I'm always going to have um, exercises to support my upper back and posture, right? So I'm always going to have those into the mix of it. And so for instance, um, like an exercise I really like is uh, is a Romanian deadlift. Um, I always include those into my workouts because of the fact that uh, jujitsu has a tendency to make our hamstrings kind of weak and tight, right? Like you look at a lot of jujitsu guys, they kind of have small legs, they don't have big legs, right? And you see, not, I'm not generalizing, not everybody does. But if you look at a lot of jiu-jitsu guys, they don't have large legs. They don't have st- big, strong, thick legs. Um, they typically lack, you know, uh, weak glute development, right? You, 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 by, by that, I mean their butt. Their butt's not very big, right? So doing things like RDLs is going to strengthen. What's that? I feel attacked by weak hamstrings my small butt. <laughs> there we go. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about it. I'm just saying it is what it is, right? It, it's just one of these things where you see this. And you're, uh, and if you, if when you, when you look at the body, it tells you a story, right? When it, when you look at anybody's body, it tells you something. Like when you see someone's mangled ear, you're like, that's telling me something about who you are. And the way that your body is formed can tell me a lot about who you are and what you've done with yourself, right? And so you can look at someone's body, <clears throat> look at their posture. You can look at where their hips are set. You can look at their their development in their legs and things like that. You can see that there could be imbalances going on there. Um, a lot of times with wrestling and jujitsu, we typically are very quad dominant because typically we're up on our feet. We're typically in the fronts of our feet moving around and we use our quads cons- a lot and the hamstrings get sort of weakened and they become tight. And so the RDL is a great exercise because it's going to get both a, a, an eccentric load where it stretches that hamstring out under pressure, under weight. And then you're coming back up and you're doing a hip extension, which is, again, we do hip flexion all day where our hips are bent. Now you're doing a hip extension where you're having to focus on using those glutes and those hamstrings to pull yourself back up, which is the exact opposite of everything that jiu-jitsu does. And so it's a great corrective exercise as well as strengthener um, you know, that can be used. I always use that. And then I always have some exercises to um, strengthen my upper back, the muscles that pull back. Because tend to in jiu-jitsu, we go into our defensive posture. In mixed martial arts, we box. We, we're in a very defensive posture where – you know, our, our most vulnerable areas are in the front here. And so we, we close those vulnerable areas up to protect them. And what that does is that, that strengthen, that makes the biceps and the tight, the, the pec very tight. So we want to strengthen the, the muscles in the back. So it helps offset that. So this way we're kind of balancing that out. So those are some of the exercises that I always do, but I always focus on the movements, the exercises change, the variations of them change, but the movements stay the same. Regardless <clears> of intensity on that kind of thing then, especially when it comes to maintenance and obviously longevity because if you're training and coaching every day you don't want to burn out are you working to a certain level of exertion are you trying to just get the reps in are you trying to reach level of fatigue and also how like how many reps are you doing are you doing quite a lot of heavy sets are you doing more reps at a lower weight what's your general sort of structure when it comes to these things mm, it depends you know <clears throat> again 
there's different things that you want to get, just like uh, with your jujitsu, right? You, you might work on a particular position um, or you might roll at a different pace to get a different response from your body, right? Um, when I'm lifting, most often I tend to stick to my rep ranges, especially on the big ones, are going to be around five reps. I like that five rep range, like five, five sets of five is always my kind of favorite, um, but I will change it. Like, for instance, during the quarantine, I was doing a lot of high rep uh, hypertrophy work because it's exhausting. It wears me out. Like I was doing uh, squats one day and my squat workout that day was four sets of 12 uh, with about 225, uh, 225 pounds. That's about 100 kilos, you know. And uh, I mean, I was trashed afterwards. I was so tired. And then I did my other exercises afterwards. But, you know, after those 12 reps, I'm <sighs> breathing and I just and because I couldn't train jiu-jitsu I just wanted to feel exhausted you know I wanted to feel tired and I wanted to push myself a lot more but those reps typically I don't like to go high volume on exercises on, on my on my weights because if I go too high volume then basically I'm taxing my body in a bad way that's going to not be uh, useful for jiu-jitsu um, this is why I don't do I don't do like a lot of crossfit style workouts or anything like that because my body's already being bashed up by jiu-jitsu I don't want to double down on high intensity things where you're slapping weights around. I want to focus on strengthening and then I'll do some strategic cardio in there from time to time where I'll do, you know, uh, sprint intervals on like an airdyne bike where it's very easy on the knees or I might do stuff like that, but I'm not going to simply just try to destroy my body every single day that I go into the gym. So typically an average workout for me when jujitsu is going on, um, will typically consist of about three to four exercises, um, and then usually probably five, eight, 11, maybe around anywhere from 12 to maybe 16 working sets, uh, of, of weight with, with the weight. So it's really interesting here in the variety then when I asked that question, it was meant to be a bit of a, well, it depends kind of answer because it's not a sort of set in stone thing and much yeah. as jujitsu is, cause I imagine most of your questions end with, well, start with it depends. Like, should I it's always this? depends, right? And that's kind of what I want. I want to kind of ask you these kind of close questions and get your open answer with that kind of stuff, and especially with strength and conditioning stuff, because again, everyone's going to say, "Why don't you do heavy weights?" Oh, this works for me. This works for me. This sort of circuits do this, do that, and the other. I'm thinking, depends, doesn't it? Depends well, what you do. Yeah, it depends. And this is why you got to be. This is for everyone, right? You always got to listen to what's coming from you. You know, this is not. This is a lesson for everything, right? Not just jujitsu, but what's coming in from you. You know, like take the information in test it out, see how it holds up. But if you feel that you need to change, change, you know, with lifting a lot of times, like people respond to certain ways, people's bodies are different. And, um, you know, and again, with your workload on jujitsu, you might change it. Also, if you're a high level athlete, you are probably going to work out differently. You know, like for instance, there's a lot of, um, sp sports specific training that you might do if you're at a high level. I don't think it's necessary for most average people, because for most average people that are just doing a little bit of training, I think having a strong body just overall would be fine. Uh, but there are like, like for instance, if you watch some guys where they're doing all these really weird, funky exercises uh, that they have programmed from their coach, those are probably great for where they're at because they're at elite level status, right? For the average person though, you probably don't need to do all that stuff. It's like back in the day when I was coming up lifting weights, you'd read a magazine and it would be like, this is the Arnold Schwarzenegger workout, right? From the seventies. Mm -hmm. And it would be like, a, it would be super high volume. It would just be this big giant workout that would take you forever to get done. And then you're like, but yeah, he's on, he's an elite level, uh, you know, bodybuilder. Right. And he is, um, you know, using performance enhancing drugs. Right. And he's to be this bodybuilder. Like, you're, you know, I'm 18 years old. I'm not there. Right. And so 
that's not going to be the best workout for me. Now, that's a great workout for him. It worked, right? The dude's jacked, but not going to be the best workout for me. And so I think sometimes people have to listen to themselves because another problem in jiu-jitsu is we will – we get infatuated with competitors, right? Everybody loves comp competition. Everybody like watching matches. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care if you're not a competition person, you can appreciate and get excited about a big, big match that's coming up. Right. We all do. It's good because it's the, it's an extreme condition, right? There's something on the line. There's it's a, it's the, it's one of the highest levels of stress that we can be under in jujitsu. And it's fun to watch. The problem is, is that you'll get guys in jujitsu who are like just training the, you know, they, they don't take their diet as seriously as they should. They don't take their lifestyle as seriously as they should, but they want to come into the gym and they want to train like an Andre Gaval or a Gordon Ryan or whoever they watch on like a flow grappling breakdown. And you're like, look, those dudes are high level athletes. You're not that person. And there's a lot of other things that need to be in place before you try to chase down that kind of training volume. You know, they'll be like training two days, uh, two times a day, multiple times a week, whatever. Like you're, you're a 35 year old guy with two kids, a wife and a car and you work. It's like you can train and you can still access that warrior inside of you, but you don't need to go that far into it. You need to kind of like, again, adjust for where your goals are now. Just put the ACI down, just please. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, just, right. Uh, just trying to do his donkey guard, just trying to say like, oh, every two seconds. It's like, okay. <laughs> one, one well, that's this, well, that's the thing, man. Like when people get into something, people, you know, we live in a society where people want to belong to something, right? We don't have, we don't, religion's not very big anymore. Um, and so people are looking for something to connect to. We, we, we live in a society that's, the that are, are a lot of the common, uh, like in-person bonds in, within groups are gone, right? Our, our households aren't like they used to be. Um, you know, extended families aren't like they used to be. Churches aren't like they used to be. Nothing's like it used to be. So people are walking around looking to plug their heart into something. They want to connect to human beings. That's, that's, we, are de we are wired in our DNA to connect to each other. And so when people come into like a CrossFit gym, you know, this was funny. Like they used to have videos like what would the, sh the shit CrossFitters say? Because, they're, you know, they'd be in there for two weeks and all of a sudden they're saying, what's, what's the wad, bro? Are you going to do paleo and all this stuff? And it happens with jiu-jitsu guys. They come in and they, they get into it and all of a sudden they begin become so obsessed with this thing because now they're connected to a group of people. They have a tribe. Um, they start, you know, talking to people and they tell everyone that they know that oh, I do jiu-jitsu now. Yeah. You know, and um, it becomes it's in, it becomes part of their identity very quickly. And, um, you know, like you said, like they're going like, ooze, ooze, ooze to everybody and, you know, just like taking picture of their acai bowl. They get their first stripe on their white belt. It's their it's their new profile picture, you know, um, and it, it absorbs them. I mean, I was guilty of this, too. If I if I had social media back when I was a, um, a white belt, bro, you would have seen it all the time. You know, like it would have been everywhere. It would have been like, I'm competing tomorrow. You know, everybody would know about it. So I understand. You'd be doing Q&As as a white belt. You'd be like... <laughs> Who wants to take my advice on like two stripe white belt and martial jiu-jitsu? <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. Like I would I wouldn't have done the Q and A's back then because I would have been like like I the Q and A part that didn't happen until I was a black belt and I was very secure with where it was because I was like I, you know I was like I never really felt comfortable that like, what the fuck do I know you know um, but I would have definitely shared you know if, if social media was around when I was younger I definitely would have shared in some capacity because I used to have a um, there used to be a website called Live Journal and it was like kind of like a blogging platform and uh, I used to have a journal in there that I would talk about what I was doing my training I wasn't trying to attract anybody I was just writing I, it was I've always enjoyed journaling so it became like this virtual way of doing it and um, 
me and a couple of jujitsu guys, we used to journal about our training and our injuries and everything that were going on. And I used to post it there. I, I try to look and see if I still had it active, but it's gone now. Um, cause that would have been a real gym to have like, like a, a, a three years worth of writing from a, like 18, 19 and 20 year old Chewy. Is journaling always something you've sort of done, like regards to your own training and regards of your documenting the way you train at the minute, the way you coach, or is it something you've just, I don't know, not felt the need to stick with such. Man, I've been journaling since I was like a teenager. Like I, I started reading, you know, um, about people that were, you know, for me, it's like one of those things where I don't know why I did this, but I would always look at people and model after them. Right. So for instance, um, I would look at the way that people presented themselves. I would look at the way that people trained and all these things. Like when I was in the wrestling program, I would look at the way that my, the best guys on the team, how they trained. I would adopt their training the way, or at least their habits for training, like, you know, being like, you know, whatever. And then, um, one of my mentors, my very first, uh, my wrestling coach, coach vinegar, um, you know, he was a guy who like, I would watch the way he was and I would, you know, present myself And part of my coaching is even to this day is Bart is partly based upon his influence. Right. Um, so I modeled after him and then, you know, make your own style later on. And so I've always done that. And so I read books on like guys that I admired through history. And one of the common threads that you see amongst them is that they all journaled. You know, you look at Marcus Aurelius, his meditations book. That was a book not meant for consumption for other people. That was a journal to himself. He's going through his own thoughts, reminding himself to live simply, to be good to people, to, you know, don't get obsessed with everything else around you. It's a it's a very common story of practice, right? They, you're supposed to journal everyday repetition, right? Tell yourself what you need to do. Remind yourself of what you need to do, these kinds of things. And then I also read all these these people that had their lives were were documented because they wrote journals and I started doing it back as a teenager and you know as I've gotten older I've realized the utility of it you know because when I was doing it before I was just doing it because it came naturally I just wanted to do it you know I enjoyed doing it and then later on I've noticed this this utility from it because when you start to t- like through through conversation a lot of things come out right like if you're having a conversation with someone you might have this epiphany about something oh my god that's a great idea well, when you're journaling, you're simply having a conversation with yourself about whatever it is that you're journaling about, right? So, for instance, if you have a if you have something that's bothering you, you journal about it. Why is this bothering me? Then you write down what's going on. Um, if you're training, you can document your training so you can look back and know where you're coming from. You know, you can say, okay, this is where I was then. And even like I um. I, I, I've always documented my competitions. So when I go to competitions, I always, the day before and the day of, and the day after I always document what's going on. And it's funny because I, in my journal, a lot of times there's these like me talking about the nerves, you know, cause sometimes I go to competitions and I'm like, man, am I, have I always been this nervous? And then I'll look back at my journal. Like, yeah, I was, I was way more nervous back then, you know, than I am now. And so I just think it's, it's a, it's a really beneficial practice because even more so in today's age where we're so bombarded by stimulation, that we have trouble having our own original thought, right? Because again, people will consume so much information that they don't even take a step back to digest it and think, what do I think about this? You know, a lot of times today, they'll just immediately take it and pair it as their own. Oh, this is what he said. This is what I'm going to say too. You know, instead of saying, well, what do you think about that? How do you feel about that idea? Have you examined? Do you, do you really think that way? And so I find it a useful practice. And so I've done it since I was a teenager and it's been, uh, it's only increased since I've gotten older. Now, you answered one of the questions I was going to ask regards of when you write these journals, whether it was meant to be a venting sort of mechanism or it was meant to be reviewed. The fact you said you went back to it when you got nervous. But mm-hmm. something you've sort of touched on there is regards of processing the sort of stimulation that we get on a daily basis. Like, for example, everything going on with the whole Black Lives Matters movement and everything else with the All Lives Matters argument and all the ignorance and everyone else sort of charming with their opinions. 
and then sure. and everyone's interpretation of what that means and how it's meant to yeah. be perceived and then you get i don't know the sweeping analogies and the way people always regurgitate almost without really understanding what is meant and then you have these repetitive arguments in different sort of platforms different conversations and again mm-hmm. it's interesting for people to sit there and really ask themselves the question without the fear of being judged or fear of being i don't know misinterpreted of what do you honestly think about that specific situation how do you yeah. think this is meant to be interpreted and how do you think of that and i think that kind of i don't know security is always lost when it comes social media you have to always be mindful of oh if i say this someone might read it this way and that and the other so it's certainly yeah. an interesting concept yeah i mean like with like, especially with what's going on with all the um the protests and the um the black lives matter movement you know um for me man like watching that poor guy get killed on the street with a knee on his neck you know it's not the first time this sort of things happened and it was it was hard to watch and it really like for i think for a lot of you know um especially for white americans kind of shook us up it's like oh shit like it just it was such a um it reminds me of like in in, in the united states right we had the vietnam war which was fought over a complete bullshit reasons right and we were we were so used to going to war and it's what we did but then all of a sudden you see bodies coming back and in the news you would see what that looks like you see what that looks like and it's hard to look at and then everybody was like i don't like this i don't want my son to die what are we dying for like what are we over there for right and i think for a lot of people it did that same thing and it's sad that it had to be like that it's sad that it had to be something like that but the thing is for me i looked at it and it was bothering the hell i was literally losing sleep trying to think about what i thought about this and so i was like i don't know enough i'm ignorant towards the whole damn thing i'm ignorant towards you know um you know my black friends telling me things that i don't understand and so i've like i've got to dig deep so for the last week i've literally been hours of either reading or watching lectures or watching documentaries trying to figure out what uh what i'm what i think about it and the more and more i read the more and more i'm like damn dude like I'm not saying that there's no easy solution, but again, policies have to change. And the only thing that's sad about this whole thing is that now because of the riots and because of the way the media manipulates everything is that we're going to be in the situation again. Because again, these policies that are in place are, are terrible. These laws that are in place are terrible that allow these things to happen and they're going to keep happening. And the problem is, is nobody's focusing on the real problem, which is we're looking at the, like people are like, oh, these damn rioters. It sucks. I don't like the destruction either. Right. And then people are the, – the, the rioters are destroying neighborhoods, right, because they're angry. They're frustrated, right? And there's some that I think are – that are trying to manipulate the noble purposes of the, what the protest is all about, right? But the problem is, is you know, without the policies changing, without the politicians doing what they're supposed to do. I mean we can all agree there's a lot of friggin' corrupt politicians that need to be – to get the hell out of there or whatever. Something needs to be changed, right? So you see this thing where people are now being divided amongst the groups now. So instead of coming together and saying, listen, we're all pissed off this is happening. We all want this to change. I don't want to see U.S. citizens have their homes raided. I don't want to see U.S. citizens to die for, for stupid things. I don't want people to go to jail for minor drug charges. It's not. I mean, like, dude, I was reading something last night. A guy, Ponzi scheme in the 80s, right? Stole $438 million on a Ponzi scheme, gets 20 years in jail. We have people that are like losing their whole entire life over minor drug charges, you know, for the three strikes you're out and stuff. You know, again, it's like, how's that justice? You know, and so again, I can understand why people are angry, but I'm just, I'm sad that there's not enough people coming together, not enough people trying to research the subject to figure out what's going on so we can make this better. And I don't think that 
in reality, the government and people in power want that to happen because people are easier to control um, when they're separate. It's like the the Chinese and the Mongolians back in the medieval days, right? Hmm. They, the Chinese went around. They kept they would purposely keep all the Mongolian tribes separated, right? They would make them feel like they were different, whatever. Uh, Genghis Khan comes across, unites the tribes. China disappears, right? Because they're like, oh, wait a second. We should be fighting those guys because those are the guys screwing us over, right? And so for all of us, I think as, as citizens, we're like – like, we just want to live our lives, man, all of us, black, white, whatever. We just want to do this thing. But these bad things are in place, that, and there's so much social conditioning going on. It's just terrible stuff, and it's so deep, and I'm still super, like, uneducated about the, the subject. So I'm digging into it, and I'm, um, I have several black friends that are giving me some cool stuff to read and, and look at. And it doesn't mean I agree, agree with everything wholeheartedly, but there's so much truth to what what's being said that it's, it's, uh, it's again, it's one of those things where I would encourage anyone that's, like, watching this thing happen – if you get angered by it, like me and everything else, just go look into it. Like, just do a little bit of research and find some people that counter your arguments and counter your ideas of what you think is true, just so you can see, you know? Because like I said, I consider myself, I don't consider myself a racist person, right? I grew up, I grew up in a, a, a poor neighborhood, white and black people are living together. I, I've never heard any of my family, um, my close family use the derogatory terms to describe a black person. I trained my my coach, my mentor, Coach Vinegar. He was a black guy. I look up to that dude to this day. I hear his voice in my head to this day. I I value my time with him. My training partners that I I value, I mean, a lot of them were black. It's, it just the thing is though is that is I've been insulated because of this, and that's not necessarily how the rest of the world works and how social conditioning works. And so it's one of those things where you know I had to get out of my own sort of mind and my own sort of thinking to kind of educate myself on what's going on but anyway um but it, the sad part about it is is that people are getting split over this stuff right and that's the sad part because if we can't unite we can't fix anything you know and, and that's why i think things like jujitsu and things like that are so important because you get to be around people that you normally would never have been around and you get to cut across a lot of the bullshit that you separate each other by because when you're when you have a man or a woman choking you and you expect them to let go or when they have your arm extended and you expect them not to break it you've given them a level of trust that you would never give anyone outside of the gym and it cuts through a lot of crap. And uh, I think it's an important thing. There's so much to dissect in that, but one thing you said and also highlighted, it's really, really poignant in that is the awareness of ignorance and the openness to accept that. I don't know everything I'm being approached with. I don't understand all this information and I'm not going to sit there trying mm -hmm. to pretend I don't like prime example. Like when this whole thing, well, it's been a thing for a while, but when it's really sort of highlighted this week, one thing I didn't feel appropriate to comment on anything because I am not a black man in that area. I'm a white man in the mm -hmm. UK who's not been surrounded by racism. My friends yeah. who are black and white and the rest of it, they're not been affected by racism in the same way I have. Like we've not yeah. had the same experiences. So for me to comment and say this is all that that this, that or the other, I didn't feel was appropriate. And again, to really understand the initial situation itself, I mm -hmm. mean you don't need to understand that too much to see and realise it's not it's not okay, it's not acceptable. Sure. And, and it gets so, I don't know, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of, like, these people are being treated like they need that kind of force to be treated with as such, and then they start rioting, and then it all becomes, okay, this violent nature is then in, in, influence this kind of violent um, reaction, and then so on and so forth, it will just keep happening and kind of... But then the counterpoint to that is, if they do a peaceful protest... 
And I say they as people protesting. I'm not mm. going to start saying calling like black people they them and them because that just invites. No, no, I, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 because I mean the protest, the protesters here, they're they're white and black. I mean, like I, we were down at the protest uh, at one part of our town, and it's white people and black people standing together, um, which is good. So I thought I'd highlight. I'm not trying to. Um... <laughs> I lost you for a second. To, yeah, no problem. I was trying to highlight. I'm not trying to um, segregate with my explanation of why I'm not racist. <laughs> but no, um, the the point with this whole thing is like yeah. the interpretation of the situation. No, no, I know. Yeah, no, there's a bit of a delay, so yeah, we'll just, just keep talking with this. So when it comes to the situation of the violent reaction versus the con, the sorry, the contradiction of having a peaceful protest. Is easy to be ignored and he'd be put to one side of everyone got in a big circle and just you know started singing like you know lovely songs they wouldn't have the same urgency to deal with it, it wouldn't be as much in the forefront whereas being you know actively like causing this kind of destruction causing this this emotion this reaction like there's a reason why this many yeah. people have resonated with it there's a reason why this many people have really taken a lot from it not just black americans white people everyone has really taken that kind of you know, someone's been dehumanized. They've been not given this, the human rights. And I hate, rights are something that's been thrown around quite a lot, but the literal human rights to be allowed to live, being able to breathe, being able to be respected. Like, to see someone be so dehumanized, it's so... It just takes your sort of words away, because there's no way of emulating what's that like. And that's why it's so important for people to be educated on what it's been like for those people. Because if someone tells me what their racial experience was like of being racially abused in some way, shape or form, they can tell me that in as much detail as they want. But I was not that person in that situation. I cannot, I can understand as best I can, but I'm not them. I do not know what they've been through. They can explain to me word for word, put, paint a picture right. for me, but I'm not that person. I've not been through it. So I'm yes. not going to even pretend I understand to the extent they do. And again, it's, it's a very... Yeah. I don't know. It's a very interesting subject, regards of how you can resolve this all. And again, what yeah, it's, it's well, interesting, sorry, right? No, go ahead. Go ahead. It's interesting what you touched in regards of your sort of socio-economical kind of bringing upbringing, because take for example what I was saying in regards of how I was brought up in a sense of I'm surrounded by a variety of people. No one's been a victim of racial abuse, at least not in front of me. So I've not had to experience that. Whereas you go in other places where either white dominant or black dominant where it very much feels like them versus us kind of thing so when it comes to these situations it's very much like oh he was in that situation because of the environment he's been in whereas mm -hmm. we can see it much as why do not to another person let alone someone specifically of color or anything like this mm -hmm. yeah i mean like i in like I'm, I'm saying things and i hope no one takes this like i, I love my country like mm -hmm. i like being an american but it's one of those things where it's weird how it, it martial arts, for instance, in martial arts, um, my connection's a little funky. So if I start slurring or something, let me know and I can try to reset my, my modem or something. Um, Might be CTA. But we, okay. Um, in martial arts, um, what, what, is it good? No, I'll say it might be like CTE, might be some MMA catching up on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, but like in martial arts, right? So like we, uh, it, we, we are, trained that if there is a problem you need to fix it if you're doing something we need to adjust uh, we need to take in new information right we, we're supposed to be open-minded fluid so this way as new stuff comes in we can take it in but yet when it comes to people's ideology right the way they think their thoughts their party lines whatever stuff comes in people think so rigidly and they close off 
right? They'll just they'll listen to one one source and that's it. That's all they do. They never they never question their ideas, right? In jujitsu, that's what we do is question ourselves. Is this the best move for me to use right now? How can I make it better? Ooh, it didn't work today. Why did it not work today? Right? We have that that growth mindset, but when it comes to our ideology, we become rigid. We we get locked up. Where this is our this is our thought process, and this is what it's always going to be. And I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I'm a this party, that party, and these are what I think. And they they become exclusively that. And you can't be fluid anymore. You've lost your open mindedness. And I see so many people, you know, who on every side of the fence in these arguments, who are doing the same thing, and they're becoming so rigid instead of opening the door to conversation and trying to figure things out. Um, and I think that uh, it, it's a negative thing because you know I know that. Um, you know, for me, for instance, like, you know, the, the, the very first time I heard the word, the Black Lives Matter, right? I remember the first time years ago I saw that hashtag. It initially kind of made me go, Ugh. you know, that kind of made me pull back a little bit. I'm like, well, my life matters too, right? That's what, that was, that was my knee-jerk reaction mm -hmm. until I talked with friends who are black and they explained what it meant to me. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense, you know? But again, I had to have someone give me something, again, to go out and ask them and be open to the ideas, Right. And I think that's why it's so cool to have places that are diverse, people that are that are not coming from your walks of life that can give you an, an, a perspective that you don't have. And I think that's why it's so important to uh, to attempt at least to have some level of empathy, you know, because a lot of times people lack empathy, especially when it's online. Right. People will say the meanest stuff. Right. Even me, dude, the other day I made a post and I was getting people that were angry. They were just saying stuff to me back and forth. And the minute I would come back to them and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry you feel that way. And whatever, all of a sudden conversation begins. It's fine. We start to talk to each other. Um, and I just wish that kind of level of um, empathy was a little bit more common. And I wish that people would be a little bit more open to allow new ideas and thoughts to come in rather than just every time they hear something that they don't like, they just shell up and they go, no. You know, and it's just because it's not a it's not a growth mindset. And it's weird that you would say, I need a growth mindset on the mat. I need a growth mindset in life. And everybody loves to post these stupid memes, right? Like, like, get out of your comfort zone. That's the growth, blah, 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 blah. And then, OK, get out of your comfort zone with the way you think. Oh, well, well, no, not that. No, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm I'm talking about in the weight room. I'm talking about in business. But it's like, get out of your comfort zone with the way you think. Oh, no, no, no. You know, it was fun to post a meme. But then when it was your when it was your chance to actually get out of your comfort zone, ah, I'm just going to I'm just going to stick here. It's comfortable to think the way that I think now, you know. I mean, there's a few things to really touch on that. First off the bat, if anyone listening may have misinterpreted anything, we've made everything with the most respectful way we could. And please don't take anything with regards of offensive. This is our interpretation of the whole situation. Um, regards of like that mindset as well, it's so funny. You get these people who share all these things about certain things, but when push comes to shove, where is that same energy? It's like something my friend or someone I follow put on um, social media was um, everyone sharing the blackout Tuesday and all Black Lives Matters. When push comes to shove, let's hope they have that same energy and that same reminder of what's actually happening. That when something happens in your day to day life that you may have just taken as red, whereas it isn't appropriate. It's all well and good sharing a picture on Instagram, but when you need to actually act up, and I think this is where a real grey area is of um, what anti-racism is, and the concept of standing up for someone who needs it versus, I don't know, almost a bit of a, I, I don't explain it, a bit of ra radicalism almost, to try and keep that kind of, to protect the innocent and make sure people aren't being mistreated, instead of it being a bit of a, a proactive kind of, I don't know. If that makes sense. I probably don't come across too ignorant. Mm-hmm.
No, no, it doesn't come across as ignorant. And this is where these these ideas become very interesting to talk about because, right? Like I live in the I live in a country with you know with free speech, right? Mm. Um, so should you be quelled from saying something that you believe, even if I don't like it? Should you not be able to say that? You know, that's a weird thing to talk about, right? Because the problem is, is that if I don't protect the rights of my enemies, I may not protect my own rights, right? And because and, because then it's like, well, then that that sort of gaze, that lens can then be directed towards me, right? Like, well, we don't want you to say this now. So you're going to be censored. Um, so I don't believe necessarily in shippership. I do believe that if everybody who feels the way that I do, that doesn't want these things to happen, wants to make it a better, uh, a better place for all of us, if everybody just took a little bit of action and tried to make a ripple, it could be a better place. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to do right now that I'm, I'm getting some information on is uh, I started it before the quarantine began um, doing kind of a program for some of the local high schools near my gym, because in, in my area, there's a lot of high schools nearby that don't have a ton of money and the kids don't have a lot of stuff, you know, and um, it's not a high income area. And so I was like, well, I can work with these kids and uh, some of them are wrestlers, right? Let them come in. I'll show them some jujitsu and let them come in. Because for me, Again, I grew up in a poor, poor part of town, and I used to drive 45 minutes one way to get to the gym that I used to train at on the nice part of town. And when I was there, I started to talk to people that, you know, were they had different ways of being, and they had different perspectives on things that I would have never seen otherwise. You know, like one of my mentors, uh, Al, it was a real estate investor, a business owner, and he started showing me things that I never would have seen otherwise, right, had I been locked into where I was. And so my hope is that if I get these kids in there, these teenagers, you know, that are going through high school or teenagers and, you know, maybe they need some help and sort of create some outreach program that then I can expose them to the men and women inside my gym and give them different perspectives. Because I literally have people from every walk of life, every part of town coming into my gym. I mean, we have people that drive over about an hour away to get here, you know, and so we've got every sort of thing there so that they can get different ideas. Because like one of the things you see in old uh, tribal cultures is you would have a tribe of elders, right? You would have the old men and the old women, and they would be teaching the men how to be men and the women how to be women. They would guide them through the process. But today, for instance, we lack of, like, I mean, there's a lot of homes that don't have, I don't have men in them. We don't have fathers. So these young men grow up and they don't know who to go to. So what do they do? They go to places that aren't good. They go to um, you know, things like gangs and stuff like that. If you bring them in and give them mentorship and you give them male generativity and they find that, you know, males that have these things going on that can expose them to different ideas, that's powerful. You know, that's what happened to me. Like, I wasn't very close to my father, and I found male figures in different places in my life, right? I remember my coach, my wrestling coach, like I talked about, he was like a father figure for a lot of us, you know? And so, again, you get that. And so if I can do that for these people, just like I got from wrestling and everything else, that's going to be something I'm going to try to work on. Now, it's not necessarily just for uh, black kids. It's going to be for whomever. Um, but I want to make a community outreach program because a lot of the socioeconomics, uh, socioeconomic policies that negatively affect, that disproportionately affect the black community also affect uh, people in those white communities as well. And so it's important to protect you know, these people and try to help out and just not so much because I can't change policy. I can stand with people. I can stay with them in protests and stuff like that, but I can't change the policy directly. But what I can do is I can say, you know what? I have direct control of this. I can try to make a ripple in every one of these people's lives so that then they make a ripple in someone else's life. That, you know, it's like a flame. A flame is going and then sparks fly off and they light up new flames and then it continues. And I think that the more you do that, the more powerful it can be. 
Um, and I think that that's just a, that that's my strategy, right? I, I don't necessarily may not be what people agree with, but that's what I want to do is I want to create an outreach program with through my gym, through martial arts to train people, to expose them to different ideas. And that this way I can try to make the community around me better by empowering more young people, just like I was empowered through jujitsu and through wrestling and through the people that I met through the, the martial arts. I think that's so powerful the way you phrase it as well and what that is and the real thing that comes to outreach especially that kind of age the big word i'm going to use with this is awareness and that when you're you're quite young going through school it's very easy to get a kind of tunnel vision of okay this is school this is the pathway i've got go to school go to college get a job and that's life full stop and that's that's the only pathway i can go and if i can't get that education i can't get Mm -hmm. that kind of thing that where do i fit then they then try to find this gap somewhere else and when you're stuck in that like Think about your life at that point. Most of your percentage of your life has been spent in this sort of structure. So to then have that awareness of what's going on around you, amongst the other sort of lessons you learn on that way of doing mm-hmm. it, you then open up your horizons of, oh, wait a minute. Like Sally there, she didn't go to like college, but no, she's happy, she's fulfilled, she's got kids. Oh, look, there's John. He's a doctor. He's doing X, Y, and Z. He enjoyed school. They've got different mm-hmm. backgrounds. He went to the army. He did this, that, and the other, and they're all... They're all here, they're all people, and they're all, you know, still there, even though they didn't get the qualifications I think I need. And on top of that as well, but yeah. when it came to fulfilling the need of a, an absent father or mother, whatever it is, it's interesting the sort of camaraderie you get from being in the, in almost the trenches, for lack of a better choice of word, of being in that environment, and then finding these attributes from certain people. You get the, the discipline mm-hmm. aspects, you get the camaraderie, you get the, again, the mental toughness, and again, the nurturing side, again, you get people picking you back up, you get people sort of patting you on the back saying, oh, it's good seeing you, you did really well today, oh, don't beat yourself up too bad, and all this kind of stuff. And you get these sort of elements. I think this is where people get that fulfillment from, because it's not just, oh, you go and get sweat on and go home. No, it's you learn and grow together. You get this sort of breaking down, building back up together kind of thing. And again, there's so much more of a sort of psychological effect as to why people really mm-hmm. resonate and why people get this kind of identity of, oh, I'm a... <laughs> jiu-jitsu master and all this kind of stuff as a three-stripe white belt i'm the next roger grace and all this kind of stuff because they get engulfed in the culture they get engulfed in the mindset of <laughs> oh we're all friends we all grow we all roll we all say us we all have essay and try and do bear and bowlers after thing but no it's all that community you build it together you find i don't know it's, yeah. it's easy to find yourself when you're not trying to prove anything i can't help but feel yeah absolutely man So I'm aware that we're cutting into our slot. So first off the bat, I really, really appreciate your time. It's been so amazing, so surreal having you on. Where can people find you? They probably already follow you, but yeah, let's go through the, the motions. Yeah, man. Uh, if people if people don't know who I am, which is because it, very likely, you know, um, I'm. It's funny, like I'm big in the jiu-jitsu community, uh, but then outside of the jiu-jitsu community, I'm like nobody, right? Which is which is great because I would not want like. I love going to jiu-jitsu tournaments and like meeting people and like talking to people. It's so much fun. Um, and, and occasionally I'll be in an airport or whatever, and I'll be out of town on a vacation and I'll meet someone, which is fun. Right. But I couldn't, I would never want to be someone that's like really well known where you're being swamped all the time. Like, um, that'd be terrible. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if, if anybody wants to find me, if you're interested, you can check my website, jujitsu.net. Um, that's my main website. You can put in jujitsu on anything. You'll find me on YouTube, Instagram, wherever, uh, you can look me up there and uh, follow me along. 
that'll all be in the description.